This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to a podcast session by the HISA team. As usual, every Monday, we meet up and we sit down as we discuss on what's happening across the various financial markets. Uh, we always focus greatly on the Nairobi Securities Exchange as we give you guys what's really happening within uh, also not only the local market but also um, global markets. So for the first time this week, we're actually going to look on what's happening uh, on global markets. I know Markets Monday has always been primarily about the Nairobi Securities Exchange. But today we are also going, um, we're also going offshore a bit, just telling you guys what stocks are really moving, uh, really making moves out here. Uh, for you, for all of you who are wondering, the main reason why we are actually getting into into the uh, the offshore market is because, first of all, um, Hisa is uh, coming in soon. Uh, within the next few weeks, you'll be able to access data from various financial markets, both locally and globally. Uh, trading primarily will certainly be open for US markets so that's one thing that we're really hoping will come up soon so for those of you who are joining us for the first time if you're yet to get the HISA app please uh, you can always get in and download uh, HISA on your uh, on, on, on your mobile phone uh, as usual every Monday I'm joined by my co-host I'll let him introduce himself and then we kick start with the local markets hi good morning everyone my name is Davis Kadinji and I'm glad to be here with you this morning Thanks. Thanks a lot, Davis. Uh, it's a very chilly morning here in Nairobi. I don't know if the market will be chilly as well, Davis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, wait and see. yeah but uh, if we kick start off with uh, the performance of the NSE indices, uh, the the All Share Index was up last week. The NSE 20 was down last week and then the NSE 25 was up uh, on the other end. Uh, Davis, because we always know that the All Share Index generally is a is a normal mood for all. Uh, it, it's more like a, a market weighted index. Uh, what does that give? Does it mean because this it, it's if you check on year to date, the All Share Index is actually up 12.5 percent. Does it mean that um, the market sentiment for the NSE is improving, or or um, or it just means guys are trading based on a certain on, on, on certain news that's coming in because last week we had news for INM which I know we'll touch on to later. We also had news about um, we had various news about KCB that so KCB move up as well. Uh, generally we're seeing a positive outlook. What's your take on that as we begin? Yeah, uh, I've actually been waiting for a catalyst for our market, something to really get things rolling and one of them that I've seen of late is actually that report that was done by the CBK. I believe they did a survey on banks and banks uh, notably mentioned that the Q1 earnings were really good. Of course, as we mentioned here on this podcast before, banks were likely to reduce their loan loss provisions because non-performing loan deterioration was quite low. You know, it only increased from, I believe, 14.1% to 14.6% and banks were more than adequately provisioned uh, for these loan losses. So I believe that this is among, this could be one of those catalysts. As, as we know, when banking stocks start moving upward, the entirety of the market starts moving upward. So when banks start announcing good results in Q1, Q2 going forward, assuming that deterioration of loans um, doesn't continue, doesn't uh, really go on the uptick, that could be a good catalyst for the rest of the market because banks tend to uplift the markets, uh, good dividends um, will really 
bring back investors into this market. We know, of course, that foreigners are still net sellers and uh, that's a bit daunting. We'd expect that uh, foreigners would really come back to the market, but it seems that they've really shied away. They've really been afraid. And uh, But we hope that they'll come back or rather that locals will actually take that initiative and drive the markets higher up because a lot of securities are on relative terms undervalued, to be honest. Um, Davis, when you talk about uh, the CBK report, maybe if you just expound a little bit on it, what it was really about, uh, so that at least our listeners, those who are listening about the CBK report for the first time, uh, at least get to understand that whatever we are learning from, whatever we are speaking of, uh, is not really something that uh, is new to the market. Uh, if you just touch a little bit on that and tell guys what, what that would really be about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm actually trying to look for it. Um... So the CBK did a report, no, not a report, rather, a survey of sorts um, with Kenyan banks. And this survey served to show that in Q1, so this is Q1, uh, Q1, as you know, our year, is, our year is divided into four quarters, so three months each quarter. Um, so banks reported that on average, things have really improved overall. The expectations that in light of COVID, non-performing loans would shoot through the roof. Businesses would ex would suffer uh, really badly. This wasn't actually the case, and this is true globally. So the CBK did that survey to see the situation on the ground, and the results and were actually pretty good, and banks are looking optimistic going forward uh, as recovery efforts are continuing yeah, and the like. I'll, I'll try to look for the reports. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess that's something that's very interesting, Davis. Uh, getting now to look on the specific individual markets, the individual stocks uh, that are listed on the Nairobi Securities Exchange. We saw BOC Kenya uh, uh, become the net, the, the top gain last week, having about 12.7% in share price uh, gain. Uh, thereafter, what, what I'd really want guys to really look into is uh, KCB, which was up about uh, 10.5. Sorry, BOC is up 9.5. That's uh, during the week and not 12.7. But KCB was up about 10.1% uh, mm. in share price. I don't know what would be your take on that because uh, I saw that rally with KCB also gave a little bit of uh, of a buffer to equity, a little bit of... Because we always know what guys... What we usually say on the market is that KCB and equity generally, uh, they work like twins. Um, what, what what would be your take? Yeah, I, I believe KCB finished a certain acquisition. Uh, I'm not sure of which bank. Um, that possibly could have been a catalyst for the share price uh, rallying. And, uh, you know, investors are pricing in good future prospects, the good integration in light of that bank. Uh, for Bok, um it's possible that shareholders are taking into account the merger, not the merger, the takeover, uh, pro, the takeover actually being completed, that one by Carbacid. And so, yeah, them moving into the stock in light of that news. At least that's what I'd make of <laughs> both those counters. All right. Uh, it's interesting. And then also just to clarify to guys, I'm just looking on to give guys a correct data. Last week, ACB gained about 4.2%. Year to date gains have been about 10.1%. Uh, so that's something I know we'll be really looking up to. Uh, on the other hand, I know what guys are probably wondering is what company really uh, came up on the loser side. Uh, on the loser side, not really much. I'm still seeing it's the usual suspects. We're seeing uh, Standard Group down 10%. For those of you who are wondering just how Standard Group really trades, why I usually call it the usual suspect is because 
you might find Sanat Group was down 10% within the week by about less than a thousand shares. Uh, so I might not really look at it as a point of, because these are those volatile companies that they're gaining today 10%, tomorrow they're down 10%. Uh, the, the liquidity on the market is also uh, not really as high as what you'd expect. Uh, looking at it, I'm seeing housing finance is coming down. <laughs> that's that's really unfortunate but it was i mean it was expected literally people are buying into it because of speculation you know yeah, because of the news by britain yeah and uh, actually the, the, the quote unquote news because britain itself the management said that this was something in the media that it wasn't actually a true account because the management mentioned that they will actually take steps to ensure that housing finance recovers so they'll look for a strategic partner and the like but the specifics of this going forward will be announced, I believe, in half year 21, when management will announce the 2021-2025 plan. Yeah, so a lot of us are really looking forward to that, to see the recovery um, plans for Britam and also for housing finance, just to see the way forward. Because if they were to realize that loss and sell their share, sell their, I believe they bought, they acquired their position maybe at 2.4 billion or something around right 2 billion now. there and then right now it's valued at 600 million so yeah, they'd get a loss of around 70 percent that is insanely high i mean i'd understand why they'd want to try make it recover but going forward yeah, it really is hard because I, I remember the government is has put up that company the, that holding company that's supposed to help people get loans mortgages yeah i wonder if that would be a risk factor going forward uh, kenya kenya mortgage yeah Financing mortgage corporation. refinance corporation or if they're working together we <laughs> will see going forward yeah um but I, I know that because you know um, as much as housing finance is is has been a dominant player when it comes to mortgage uh, other companies and other banks also came up with various products uh maybe what we should start looking at uh is mortgage backed securities <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we we mess things up like the us did eh? <laughs> yeah because like if, if we can be able to get um a mortgage backed security oh man but if housing finance is the one to to be the issue i think it will be something else yeah, as well on the market I Okay, I'm reckoning a guess, but I think banks actually do that. So you can sell the risk that you have to another bank. You just yeah, sell yeah, your... Yeah. So I think they actually do it, but it's controlled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are various aspects that banks can actually work around that, Davis. Mm. Um, going in further, I'm seeing, uh, checking again, uh, I'm checking on the HISA app and I'm seeing that um, INM is up 9.1%. Uh, there's been news on INM last week. There's news on INM today. Uh, mm -hmm. For those of you who are yet to get this, you can always get the data on HISA app. If you log into the discussion platform on HISA app, you'll definitely check there was a, uh, some material announcement that was shared as well today regarding INM. But last week there was but there was good news on INM and also today there's something happening. Davis, you don't have uh, to touch please. on that. <laughs> no, no, you tell us first <laughs> before I, I make some small comments. All right. So uh, last week we saw INM complete 90% uh, acquisition of Orient Bank Limited, which is a Ugandan-based lender. Uh, so this was something that INM had initially announced. They had proposed in it. Orient Bank is one of the most, uh, it, it's a fundamentally stable uh, bank in Uganda. And so I think, um, as guys have said, that looks like Kenyan banks are, are on uh, quote-unquote uh, steroids. So <laughs> banks are just buying anything that they can be able to hold their hands on as long as it's going to be able to give them a lot of assets. And also, they're taking advantage of, of banks that have a lot of potential but are slightly strained. Uh, and I think I&M, uh, this is one of the best acquisitions I've seen I&M do in recent times. 
Uh, on the other hand, what's happening today about IM is that IM had issued a bonus um, notice. So there was a bonus that IM had uh, declared on 31st of March uh, 2021, and the books are closing today. So um, if someone was to buy, there's a high possibility you might buy it today. Um, if you want to get the bonus, but also you need to understand the various risks which I'll let Davis just touch on whenever um, a company announces a bonus and INDM's bonus is on a ratio of one to one. Yeah, um, I found this bonus really interesting. Like, it was hard to make <laughs> to make sense of it, to be honest. Okay, so for those who don't understand a bonus, it's like, let's say you take a pizza, it's, slided, it's cut into four pieces. Now all you do is just cut it into more. So it's more uh, more people getting a a slice of the same uh, pizza so in this case more people getting a slice of the same company so if you're holding shares you'll get another additional share so effectively what the company did is that they just capitalized their profits they use retained earnings to pay a bonus um yeah which is in the form of additional shares and so eh, for me it was hard to make sense sense of it you know some were arguing that uh, it made business sense because people prefer permanent capital structures and you know the company has less reserves like all that INM did with this transaction this was just an accounting transaction they merely just moved um, capital from the non-permanent side that's retained earnings and they moved it to the permanent side which is share capital I, I know just jargon <laughs> that, that's all I'm saying so I, I didn't really make much sense of it INM has really been doing these bonuses, if I'm not mistaken, cutting the share price, and the share price isn't that high, you'd expect a company to do maybe a one-for-one -one split to be something like BAT, such that more people can be able to buy the shares, because, you know, 100 shares of BAT is roughly 40k right now, almost 50. Um, so it didn't really make much sense of the deal. It just seemed like an accounting transaction of sorts, but at least... I guess shareholders are happy because of that news <laughs> or you're getting more shares. The earnings per share, of course, will go down. The equity will increase. Uh, anyway. So, so I don't know, as much as we're seeing on the other side, there's a positive edge of, um, of I&M acquiring uh, Orient Bank in Uganda. The bonus issue might actually not be able to, might be able to liquidate the news uh, to literally put it, there's positive news on one side, but the bonus issue, because this is the second year running where I&M is actually issuing a bonus. Oh, rather than, uh, was it a dividend? Did they announce a dividend? Yeah, they did. They, oh. they, 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 they're doing both, and the dividend, I think the books closed uh, That's last That's interesting. Week. Oh, so for those who may not know, that means that today I&M was trading at maybe 40-something. It will drop to, is it 23? It, it will to drop to half. And, and yeah. I think this is what happened. The last time when they issued a dividend as well, I&M was trading at a higher price, yeah. uh, a bonus. Then again, it dropped all the way, I think, to around... Um, Levels of I think about sixty three back then. Yeah. But so is, so this this it might be an a way that the company is trying to increase liquidity. Yeah, and uh, also okay, the company isn't bad. I mean, it's trading on relative terms. If you look at the entirety of the industry, it's trading at a discount to book value. But the problem is that its return on equity tends to be low on relative terms. Maybe that's why there's the low uh, share price. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most 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 likely, uh, that's one thing that we're looking into. Uh, Davis, probably as we look into, uh, as we probably look a lot into the NSC, what would be your stocks this week before we touch on the usual counter? <laughs> the usual. Oh, um, actually, on that um, news for issuing shares, Crown actually is issuing a, a rights issue. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw that one. So. Oh. 
<laughs> crown paints um the one who's delayed the results um which is likely of course i think they announced a profit warning so the results won't be all that great so they said that they'll do a rights issue a rights issue is whereby you can buy existing shareholders can buy uh, shares of a company at a discount so i think the latest one was was it kenjan around yeah. 2016 yeah. there was one for <laughs> kq i think in 2011 eh. And this but, these rights issues have gone not so well, but, but anyway. Also, also, do you see the one for Crown is coming uh, at ten at ten shillings? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's it's really going to dilute present shareholders. Going to dilute it. Yeah. But then, guys, look at it from this angle. This company is yet to release their financial results. Uh, they they issued a profit warning, which is not for the first year. Last year as well. Mm. Uh, so. I don't know if it's your choice to buy once again. Remember, whatever we always discuss here is not. Uh, it, it's really not an investment advice. You need to do your own research before you can be able to trade. But uh, I'm just wondering, as an individual, my personal thoughts is: you're buying into Crown. The company is here to release the results. They're asking for more money, um, and of which they're saying it's for expansion. They need to really give guys a clear path for that. Yeah, and but also, I still think they need to set their books straight, mostly when it comes to releasing the financials before they come to the market and ask for the rights issue. So I really hope that is going to come at least before the end of the month. Uh, they they should be able to release the results to the public. Yeah. Um. So seeing. Okay. I looked at the financials a bit quickly, quickly. So they have a gearing ratio of sixty percent. So that's a debt to equity ratio. You know. Uh. So the balance sheet is um levered in excess. Okay. Not in excess really. It's just a bit. There's more debt than equity. Let's just say that. So if they were to increase their shares by seven hundred, this would mean that their share capital structure. Okay. For for those who may not get, assume you had a business, yeah. Uh, your capital structure is made up of debt and equity. Equity is your personal stake within the business. Debt is what creditors have a claim to. Okay, so with an increase of seven hundred shares, I mean shares of at that price of seven. Okay, it would be seven hundred million in a sense. Their share capital would increase to roughly two billion. That would be equity, and that would decrease the gearing ratio to roughly fifty percent. Um, so it's just interesting. I'm assuming they're doing this because their interest expenses, okay, they're not all that high, but they want to reduce them. I believe that was one of the reasons that they stated they want to um, increase the equity within the company. Um, the problem with maybe we should mention this the problem with increasing equity within a company is that for present shareholders it reduces your returns because you're getting diluted it's like um again now the same the same pie thing the same pizza you're cutting it into more slices so earnings per share will go down and the like and then debt is cheaper in that it has a tax shield because you pay your interest expenses before you pay net income yeah so i believe that this this initiative or this um what is it called this rights issue first and foremost it will really be a show of the ability of our markets to attract capital <laughs> you know we haven't seen at an ipo of late and seen whether it was undersubscribed or oversubscribed so yeah really longing to see how the subscription will be on this davis are you positive on crown just uh <laughs> not oh, absolutely not an advice but just what, what would you really say would you be positive on crown because you know whatever is going to happen on crown is really going to um, say a lot about the nsc mm. uh, and also it, it's coming at a time when 
when when the economy and investors are really trying to trade as cautiously as possible yeah. what would be your thoughts would you be optimistic about crown just give guys your thought necessarily not an investment advice guys uh, i am really not sure i really need to look at their financials see the competition one i wonder why they've been reducing earnings year over year wonder if revenues have been going down okay me i'm just giving you a checklist of things to look at whether revenue prospects going forward are <laughs> Because I don't give investment advice, I just make observations and then you guys come to your conclusion. Look if the revenue prospects have been going down going forward, whether they're facing stiffer competition, whether they're adequately structured. I believe, honestly, with the increase of equity, now their gearing ratio or debt to equity will be 50-50, if I were to make a rough guess, which is an adequate um, shareholding structure. So <laughs> it's not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but you have to realize there'll be a lot of dilution. Um, yeah. going forward and yeah I it, it's really hard to tell I really need to look at the, the company much much closer absolutely uh, I'm checking on his and I'm just seeing crown is already up about um, about 8% 8% yeah, yeah during today's trading but uh, that's interesting I wonder if people really do understand but, but let, me, <laughs> let me let me just give you guys um, yeah. the disclaimer that it's only traded 800 shares <laughs> Uh, uh, those are market movers shillings, so <laughs> market movers actually you know if, if the liquidity that crown has if you trade if it goes up eight percent eight percent within 10 days it's up 80 percent because because it's you only need to trade about 200 shares and you know nobody's going to come back later but now how, how do you exit a position like if you're yeah. a larger shareholder yeah. how do you exit that's, hey. that's that's where the challenge is yeah, your portfolio is up 10%, your portfolio is up 80%, but you can't be able to exit. <laughs> but you can't sell. <laughs> you just have to sell at the lower price, then the share price keeps on yeah, going down. I know I, I know this happened with most most of the guys who have um, huge shareholding in Nairobi business ventures. When NBV stopped trading uh, at 0.5, hmm. uh, back then, I think it was at around, yeah, at around 0.5 or thereabout, and then it resumed trading in December, and it was up about 500%, going up to trade. When, when, when they... Um, when they came back to trading, it was at about five five shillings, and so you're seeing your portfolio is high. You have eight hundred thousand shares of Nairobi Business Ventures, but you can't exit. So yeah. these are just the things that guys really go into. Yeah, but the, um, giving credit where it's due, the NSE has really been trying. You know, they've introduced <laughs> SLB. Okay, they've tried a lot of things. Unfortunately, CDSC has introduced. SLB. Yeah, oh sorry, CDSC has introduced SLB. Uh, derivatives were introduced. A lot of these things to impact the markets. Actually, I was hearing a talk the other day and someone mentioned that rather than stewarding uh, what are they called retail investors toward these products that they should do it to fund managers more so because fund managers are the ones who can adequately execute these things can bring liquidity into the markets uh, through these things so maybe some more investor education needs to be done to fund managers such that they might you know trade these products more and increase market liquidity because that's a serious issue in our markets yeah, and then I also think the uptake, now that you've mentioned the derivatives market for the NSE, I, I think that the uptake for the derivatives products are uh, sort of, um, guys are, a lot of guys are uh, taking up these new instruments. Uh, I'm seeing on the derivatives market, last week we had about 203 volumes. Uh, that is the number of contracts that were moved. Uh, ah. That's valued at around 8.29 million that were traded on the derivatives market. Oh, that's good. That's uh, so we have about 378 open interest on the market. So uh, the previous week, that was week 17, there were 344 uh, open interest positions on the market. So that means guys are really 
uptaking this. And you can always be able to engage your broker so that you can be able to access trading on the derivatives market. Yeah, if actually, if you're a smaller shareholder, derivatives expose you to a lot more um, what? <laughs> okay, this cuts both ways, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, so guys, uh, one thing that you need to understand about derivatives is you can always go, you, you can, you'll, you'll, you'll make money from whether the market is going, um, the market, the prices are going down or going up, really depending on the position that you're holding. If you have a long position on the market, when the price is going up, you're good. If you have a short position on the market, uh, when the price is going down, you're, you're definitely making money. And if you're wondering about derivatives, if you check on HISA, there's a podcast which we had a discussion with a few guys on the NSE's derivatives market. Uh, and they really explained a lot about investing on the derivatives market. So you might also want to check that out on HISA. Um, I'm sure I'll also be able to share the link with you guys. So if you're, if you're listening from both Twitter spaces or the Telegram forum, uh, you can always be able to check out. Uh, I'll share the tweet and also check it out on, share it out on his app as well uh, with the link so you can be able to listen to the podcast on derivatives. Uh, now, I guess we're done with the NSE, but we have the usual uh, suspect, which we have to talk about. Davis, Safaricom continues to maintain uh, a dominant position on the NSE last week. The total market turnover for the week was at um, 2.6 billion, mm. and Safaricom was at 1.7 billion. Oh, that's roughly 65% of. There should be above 60% of ma- the, the market. 65.47% of the NSC, to be specific, yeah. went to went to Safaricom alone. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Ah, uh, yeah, it's like we talk about Safcom every week. <laughs> And, and then you know Safcom continues to gain in share price. This is despite us going through a few reports last week where we saw a few investment banks actually say Safcom might uh, might come down as they release their results. If you're wondering, guys, Safcom is set to release the results on Thursday this week. That is on the 13th of May. Uh, I believe if um, the new update that uh, we're working on will have will incorporate the corporate actions calendar. Uh, for the NSE, so you don't have to worry. This data will also be shared uh, to you guys later. Davis, guys are still positive on Safcom. Yeah, um, I, I, I really don't think people are pricing in the results <laughs> of the company. What they're pricing in is in the, the yeah the Ethiopia expansion. If you are to hear the Ethiopia expansion has been shut down, wow, wow things will be bad. <laughs> so I, I was I was having this discussion with 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 an analyst from one of the banks, and he said. Uh, Safaricom, we are going north. So you see, when someone says we are going north, mm. is, technically it's like uh, so we're seeing in global markets, guys say we are going to the moon. Uh, uh, in oh, Safcom, no. we're saying we're going wow. north. So north is Ethiopia. So when you're going into Ethiopia, until we get to Ethiopia, the price might continue rallying. Once again, remember this is not an investment advice. This is just a discussion I was having with an analyst, and he mentioned that. So that's one thing we might be able to look into. Uh, so I guess that would be it for the local market, Davis. Yeah, we can move on to international. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Davis. Have, you, have you been seeing commodity prices of late? <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Copper, copper, copper has gained. Uh, I don't know. Copper, copper gained today. Uh, gold has been on the rise. Silver on the other side. Lumber. Imagine this was this was a I think statistics done. So with regard to uh, lumber prices, I think they've gone up by three hundred percent in the past year. So effectively, if you the amount of lumber that you <laughs> that was sufficient to buy to build ten houses. 
last year like at, at that particular price point is only sufficient to buy um to to build sorry to build two houses right now you can imagine the eh, the that thing has rallied yeah you could have just bought lumber and sat <laughs> and then started selling to people it's, it really is interesting and a lot of these things okay initially people what people thought it was is because of the fed printing money uh, for context you know the fed has printed roughly 20% of all dollars in existence in the past one year alone so of course inflation is likely to come in and more, more so asset price inflation because um yeah there's now more money chasing fewer goods but then now you have to add or factor supply chain shocks no one okay a lot of people were not expecting a v-shaped recovery they weren't expecting at things to come back to the market online almost immediately and um for things to go as they have gone in light of the vaccines being spread and the like so there's been such a serious recovery it's causing supply chain shocks because a lot of industries went offline and then now they're being forced to go back online when demand is surging so you have multiple facets of problems along the supply chain that's causing asset prices to really inflate because of course these costs have to be passed on to the final consumer and this of course is causing inflation but the fed argues that there's no inflation <laughs> Yeah, and eventually it may force them to raise rates, which will, you know, force share prices down from the U.S. market. <laughs> Interestingly, so the, the, a, a lot of things happening everywhere. To so, be honest, so, uh, I'm also just checking again. Lumber is up 93% year to date, yeah. and right Jeez. now, in in the past one month, it's been up about 52%. Uh, ah. Today alone, it's already up uh, 2%. The last one week, it's been up 12.3%. Yeah, okay. So we still have products globally that can be able, guys can actually be able to make a hundred percent gain, uh, apart from Nairobi business ventures and of course Bitcoin and stuff like and that. Then, and Dogecoin. <laughs> oh, and, and Dogecoin. Yeah. Um, so there are a few products as well that guys can, because I'm seeing if this price sustains, then if if we if the price continues to sustain, then we might see a hundred percent turnover probably before the end of the month. It's a good time to sell a house if you have one. What? <laughs> the prices have really gone up. Guys, don't sell your houses. <laughs> and then invest in other other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely, in, in a few things here and there. Uh, Davis, if you're looking on to uh, the local markets, there's one important question that I'm seeing. Uh, someone, somebody has just sent me on the live chat. Uh, he sent me an inbox and he's saying um, on the Kenya-Tanzania uh, sort of like the relations. Uh, what can we talk about the gold reserve uh, in in both in, in in both the two countries and how it might be able to. Uh, to affect the Tanzanian economy. I don't know if we should leave that for We're Curious uh, or we should leave that for, for Wednesday during the Bulls and Bears when we talk about the effects of various commodities within uh, with, with, within a few things. Um, but also I'm seeing there are more questions coming in on Lamba. I believe we'll be able to talk into that in a few minutes. Uh, one thing that I'd want to just ask, um, Davis, what would be your thoughts on oil? Uh, and we're seeing copper as well prices for copper are also going way way up but gold is also stable as well uh gold year to date has as it's a trading at about it's lost about 3.2 percent in in value year to date monthly up about 5.8 percent uh, yeah. and and today alone gold has traded earlier it was at 0.1 now it's already up at 0.2 yeah um with regard to the tanzania question maybe we come back to that on wednesday or or, or friday so we can go more in depth with regard to gold gold acts as a good hedge um for 
inflation and the like because gold adjusts upward for inflation so if people have inflation fears gold will continue to go up i know last year gold went up quite significantly as people moved to quote unquote safer assets until the fed bailed out the entirety of the market and uh, you know it became more favorable to be in stocks rather than than gold um, but it seems that investors are moving back to to gold with regard to oil eh, this is interesting so brent crude is trading at around 69 so brent crude is our reference point we don't do texas that's that's so for the us market like a global benchmark yeah, yeah, yeah and so it's interesting see remember was it last month or the month before um our our what our government ate into the margins of oil marketing company, <laughs> companies OMCs and then they told them that they'll compensate them through the oil development levy if i'm if i'm not mistaken now that is really unsustainable and you notice why because the price of oil just continues going up meaning that going forward they can't continue doing this they can't keep on eating into omc margins they'll be forced to increase uh the price of oil in kenya so don't be surprised if you see fuel trading at 130 to be honest <laughs> yeah again it's not <laughs> it's not advice but it's just uh, observations going forward because i believe and then and then that one we yet to factor in vat which uh, would actually go up 18 to 18 uh, vat is 50 percent i'm sorry uh, taxes on oil are roughly 50 percent of the entirety really interesting dynamics in this in this market so among the risks that people have to take into account going forward also oil has suffered from supply chain shocks uh, here and there and then now analysts for example in goldman sachs mentioned that oil and other commodities are entering a super cycle of sorts so the share you can find that prices may go back to the hundreds that the share price at the share price that the these assets were trading at years before imagine oil trading at a hundred hey, things would be really bad because yeah, in a country yeah. like kenya you know that affects everything because uh, if oil is up price of transportation goes up yeah, that means inflation Generally, goes up everything, everything will literally go up so manufacturing uh, a lot of these guys still use uh, oil uh, they, they still use uh, petroleum products as well yeah, yeah. so we still oil products uh, it, it will be really bad because now um, inflation is not roughly 5.6 5.8 you can imagine if these things were taken into account inflation would go up roughly to roughly six seven percent so that means that um for you to make returns um your nominal re your, yeah your nominal returns have to be in excess of seven eight percent because your real returns real returns is the returns you get after inflation will be roughly one percent so you're gaining one percent a year you really need to look for assets that um ensure that there is wealth preservation to be honest so something just, to take into account going forward davis i'm just looking on the oil prices and i'm seeing that brent one year ago at um, on a similar date today it was a weekend but on 8th of may uh on 8th of may 2020 brent was actually at 21. yeah <laughs> see and then now i think the western texas index uh, i don't know if that's the name the wti yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is the one that went to negative yeah, yeah that's why trading derivatives is just an interesting thing it's, it's challenge hey any people imagine someone paying you to hold oil <laughs> <laughs> you, you know you know guys guys never really understood how oil traded on a negative yeah. the challenge is this you you're trading on oil futures and what usually happens in futures is you you're settled um in, in most of these commodity futures, you're, you're usually settled on, on the commodity. An example is if it's oil futures, you will always transfer the liability. Then at expiry of the contract, you need to accept delivery 
of 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 that product. So you're a, you're an investment bank somewhere. You don't have any oil refinery. So you 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 end up paying someone to to take delivery of that oil because production is actually continuing. Yeah, I was seeing some jokes that you guys were like, "I mean, you just take all this oil, you just pour it into your bathtub, and mgoje <laughs> till oil recovers." Wow, hey, yeah, crazy so times. You, you remember that guy? And then you see the systems. The systems were not made to to give you a negative trading price because yeah. it was uh, it was something that guys had never taken into consideration. So remember the guy who bought oil and then. Uh, and then the, the prices went and hit zero. Then they started up right. They, they started rising. He thought he was making money again, mm. uh, while in re- in reality he was actually trading at negative. Yeah. And then and Sad. then when he got the call for to fill up his margin, he needed nine million, <laughs> nine million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy time. But we're, we're glad the the market is is recovering. Those are so, a lot so, of so oil supply. Guys, guys who went long have actually made money for oil during that time. Yeah. Guys who I know they are year-long contracts. Guys who probably took that have probably been making money. Yeah, if uh, if you if you invested in I think an oil company like uh, Warren Buffett did, he invested in Chevron at some point because he knew that this thing would eventually recover. No one, of course, expected it to recover as fast as it did, but you know, yeah, you, we, we all we all did didn't expect um, oil to really recover as, as quickly as it did because it's just one year. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's something that's really, really interesting. Uh, I'm also seeing there's one question that has come in on oil. Um, someone is saying that, uh, do you think airlines are taking advantage of uh, of, of, of of oil uh, during prices during times when the prices are low? My honest opinion is airlines alone are facing a challenge. So, because uh, because because um. Airlines, we've seen, uh, we, we, we've actually seen air travel really decline because of the various lockdowns that came in over the past one year. And I'm sure uh, probably those airlines that already got into various contracts were still getting an advantage over it. But if, if an airline uh, really, most of these airlines like Kenya Airways, for example, I don't, I don't know if I should use Kenya Airways. But if, if airlines like KQ, uh, most of these contracts are actually long-term contracts. So it's not like an airline would just go into, uh, into the market today and say, you know what, we're now buying oil, uh, we're buying jet fuel, and then the next time they're saying we're not buying this. Yeah, they just, actually they trade futures, if I'm yeah, not mistaken, yes, to yeah, hedge. Exactly, most of them. And this futures thing is one of the very interesting bits that one day when, we, when we're analyzing KQ, <laughs> uh, we could get into it. But today is not a day for KQ, so I just let that slide. Uh, Davis, what would be your expectation on global markets this week, uh, on commodities bit before we go into global stocks? I, I'd expect commodities to continue going up, or oh, on maybe on that question for oil. I guess it's on a case-by-case basis, because airline companies are really struggling with a myriad of things, to be honest. And I, I would assume that they hedge these losses early on, in a sense. Um, but it's... Honestly, yeah, dealing with a lot of things all at once. Uh, with regard to global stocks, I expect commodities to continue going up um, because of these supply chain shocks as they continue going forward. And then also, also what is people have all this spending power, purchasing power and the, and the like because of the Fed giving them uh, all this money. I would expect prices again of certain commodities to continue going up like lumber for example as people renovate their homes as people build new homes and uh, a lot of sawmills had actually cut off production 
uh, which is driving shares, uh, what's the price of lumber up. So, and then we also have to take into the account the Fed's printing, you know, more money chasing less goods and services will obviously lead to asset price inflation. The major risk you have to consider going forward if you're looking at global stocks is inflation um, in light of all this buying that's going on. And so you may need to consider a, a good hedge such as gold. Uh, of course, it's not advice. It's just good to consider and look at gold as a hedge because gold acts as one of the greatest hedges to um, inflation. With regard to now stock prices themselves, if you look at these major conglomerates, eh, if you want to call them that, so the major tech stocks, you know, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Google, um, Microsoft, the, the, there was an interesting argument that I saw. Someone was arguing you shouldn't invest into African ETFs, that's exchange-traded funds, because a lot of these Af in a lot of these African countries, you'll find that a lot of their growth in GDP and the like goes back to these same uh, five, six companies. That's like, for example, every dollar spent in venture capitalism, 40 cents on the dollar goes to Facebook, um, Apple, Google on advertising and the like. So it might even be, <laughs> it might be better to invest rather than invest in African markets. It might be better to invest yes. in, um, in, them in those f five, six companies because when GDP goes up, these companies will always go up. You know, there's a lot of industry consolidation. They'll absorb almost all competition. We need them for almost everything. I mean, Facebook has now started WhatsApp payments and the like. You can imagine just the earnings potential of of that alone. Google is has takes up almost all the traffic. Apple is something else all on its own. But there's, there's something I was looking at um, a few weeks ago. Uh, so this is statistics, yeah. So between 2000 and 2009, um, emerging markets did 9.8% uh, on average. Those are returns, while the S&P did 0.1% between that in that time period. And the reason why uh, this occurred is remember those the dot-com bubble, the dot-com crash, because assets were highly valued and then they all crashed and the like. But then now between 2010 and 2019, emerging markets did 3.7%, whereas the S&P did 13.5%. That's compounded annually. And so it could be that emerging markets might be the focus of a lot of investors right now, especially considering that on relative terms, relative to um, the S&P 500 and the like, they're undervalued on relative terms. So it's yeah, a lot of considerations. At least you can give a bull and bear case for both investing in global markets, that's for the US, or investing in local markets. I'd expect, oh, but there are, among other things you should know, if you, if, or why foreigners can be averse toward investing in our local market is because of what? In, what's that thing called? Currency depreciation. To invest in our market, you need to turn dollars into shillings. Shillings have been losing value to the dollar. Of course, going forward, I would expect the shilling to, uh, what? Increase in value relative to the dollar because of all this money that's being printed around. Yeah, so just among the things that you should consider, whether you're in global or local markets, uh, alike. Very interesting, David. Uh, what what generally would be your, your thoughts on... And what 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 are companies specific companies that you might really be looking into? Uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, activity on the S and P 500, uh, and just to give guys on on how these performed last week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up last week about 2.3 percent. Uh, the S and P was up as well um, about 0 0.8. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I so, think at times it's always very interesting how most of these global companies, most of the global indices are usually up because I'm yeah. trying to look and uh, I'm, I'm just always looking at them and I'm seeing last week um, most of these markets apart from uh, apart from the Shanghai uh, Composite and the Nasdaq 100, all the major global or oh, the Euro stocks as well was down. But most of these other companies, uh, the the most most of these major global indices were actually up. Um, mm. I don't know if that would be the case for uh, for African indices. Yeah, uh, they've actually been going up and recovering. I, I think I was seeing Zimbabwe is giving a return of I think 80 percent year to date, something along those lines. I was yeah, so and, surprised. And you see, Zimbabwe though, one thing that people really need to understand as well is that uh, at times you, you you can always be able to find out, you can figure out that stuff like Zimbabwe, whenever you're looking at them, it's always in local currency terms. Yeah. So that that would be the only challenge. That guys really need to understand but i think if we can get returns from african markets even if it's in local currency terms you see if you invested if you invested this uh, through the dollar and there is, it's really not been hit by that much inflation yeah uh, the currency has not uh, depreciated then technically you'll still be able to get an almost similar returns when when you're buying from these markets as well yeah um well, i'm actually looking at zimbabwe uh, this is by mango capital a really good Charts I saw early in the morning. So in the Zimbabwe stock exchange, the year-to-date returns in local currency is 81.11%. And then in USD, it's actually 75. <laughs> I was so surprised. I couldn't be that market is doing well. Um, going forward with regard to the US market, it's good to bear in mind that, uh, okay, there are those who argue that we're in a new super cycle for tech stocks, but, you know, every few decades or so people argue that we're in a new super cycle. You have to realize that the S&P and the like are trading at a PE of that's price to earnings forward looking of roughly 35 times and the average PE of these companies or of this market is roughly 16 to 19 times okay so that would mean that for the market to return to its average it would have to give a return over the next 10 years of roughly one percent you get so people um, are taking into account the fact that going forward the market may really underperform um because stocks are so highly valued and future growth is already taken into account right now i mean you have companies trading at p ratios of a thousand and like me for to invest in global stocks of course it would just be the main companies because that's you know facebook amazon no i'm not saying you invest in them just <laughs> that i would so facebook amazon apple My microsoft is a really good company wow microsoft and facebook and Google. So those are companies that you'd look into because a lot of them take into the growth that's happening across countries, um, not only in the US, but globally. And um, yeah, one thing I wanted to mention, ah, but I've forgotten. <laughs> anyway. Don't worry. Uh, I'm sure if you don't mention it today, guys, you will always be able to catch us out, uh, catch us up on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, and also for you, for you guys, if you're wondering, uh, we're bringing in African markets through HISA app uh, in the next update. So as usual, you definitely want to catch up. Uh, you, you definitely want to catch up what's what's really coming up new by just getting the HISA app so that when the update is ready, you don't get to start afresh. Uh, we're just waiting for a few regulatory approvals and we'll be able to get trading going on both in local and offshore market. Uh, and I'm seeing uh, we will be able to get in markets the Kenya, Uganda. Uh, we'll be able to check uh, Nigeria as well. Uh, you can also be able to check uh, uh, South Africa. You you can also be able to check. Let me just confirm on all markets. Yeah, Botswana, Ghana, South Africa, Lusaka, Malawi, 
the Nigerian Stock Exchange, Uganda, and of course Zimbabwe. So a lot of data is coming up with the next update for Hisa app. I'm sure that's something we'd all uh, we'd all really love to to have a look at. So you definitely want to just check it as well on Hisa. Uh, I don't know if there's anything that we have we left with today. Maybe I'd let Davis uh, give a few parting shots before we call today's session uh, and end. Uh, hey, parting shots. That's when you try <laughs> to look for words of wisdom. <laughs> words of wisdom. Invest wisely. Yeah, yeah. Just in, invest wisely. Yeah, hey, honestly, try invest based on fundamentals. Wow, because I was seeing Dogecoin the other day. Oh gosh, I can't believe people buy into this. I remember someone cracking a joke. If you if you like Dogecoin at I think ninety five cents, you love it at forty five cents. You know, people are expecting at the share price to rally because of Elon Musk, but alas, you know, it was only it was only based on what? Um, it's a meme stock. It's, it's a meme it's stock. It's a meme. It's a meme uh, crypto. Yeah, people are not buying it at for actual value. Eh. Yeah, this oh, there's this thing I normally see where people tell you, ah, if you'd invested in this at this point in time, you'd have made X returns, etc. Don't listen to such noise. You know the problem. The thing is, in hindsight, everything seems to make sense. In that moment, things don't make sense. A good case in point is Amazon. Amazon traded sideways for 10 years would you have held the stock for 10 years between i think 2000 and 2009 2010 the share price was barely moving after how it crashed um post the dot-com bubble you you can imagine all the ups and downs you'd have had to hang on and not knowing uh, whether it would become the behemoth that it is because of you know amazon web services and the online shifts with regard to majority of the populace so such such things always just uh be smart live in the present moment invest in those companies that you believe have good fundamentals and take into account a future growth oh yeah the thing i'd, I'd forgotten that i wanted to mention was remember warren buffett showed a chart of companies in 1989 uh, i believe 30 companies and then he showed a chart of those company of the top 30 companies today none of those companies were there you get so you really don't know what the future holds you just have to be agile invest in good fundamental companies unless future uh, trends shift and yeah be agile in in that way that's me what about you felix well uh let me just give guys a few a, a brief update uh, before we conclude um just uh, once again getting data from his uh, on the market, what how the live market is performing, and I know we've not had this. We've we've really dis discussed on what really happened last week. We've not had any discussion on what's happening this week. Uh, oh, apart from I and M, of course. Uh, Davis, I'm seeing I and M is down again. To uh, it's it's up uh, 5.6%. NSC is up 7.7%. Crown is definitely up 8% because of those 800 shares that are traded. Housing finance is up um, 8.7 and Transcentury Limited is up 9%. Uh, on the loser side, I'm seeing Scan Group uh, is down 2.6%. Home Africa is down as well, 2.5%. Uh, uh, Sunlam is down 1.3%. Diamond Trust Bank is down 0.39%. And of course, Centum continues to lose at 0.34%. I know you want to talk on Centum. Centum and DTB probably uh, on the loser side. Uh, Scan Group, if you if you may, uh, but we've we've talked about Crown. We've talked about I and M. Uh, we touched on housing finance when it was declining, and looks like so. Guys, just understand how the market is always funny. A few minutes ago, about twenty minutes back, we 
we were talking about um, housing finance on the decline and now it's already up 8%. Um, yeah, you know, in the short term, the market is uh, yeah. voting machine. In the long term, it's a weighing <laughs> machine. You know, it weighs the fundamentals. But in the short term, uh, there'll be a lot of noise. Okay. Yeah, I think I think I think we'll definitely have to put that up somewhere. In the short term, the market is a voting machine, and in the long term, it's a weighing machine. So yeah. always remember that. Yeah. So Davis, you'd want to mention something on, um, and I think Britain has just joined the losers list from nowhere, down about one percent. Yeah. But you do just want to touch on Centum in BTB. Cent- Centum. Why yeah. Centum? Why Centum losing? Because Centum has really been on the decline. Yeah. yeah, investors are really getting hurt there. Um, a major problem Centum faces is, of course, uh, what cash flows. Um, I've seen in the past that people value this company based on net asset value. Now, that's good and the like. the The problem is, ne- you need a company that's giving you cash flows, I- in a sense, and. So Centum only gets those cash cash flows. I believe when people make deposits on on what the housing units or they completely buy out housing units. So in the short term and especially now, the portfolio has really been suffering, at least with regard to cash flow, uh, from what I've uh, I've been seeing. I remember one of the assets that they have is Longhorn. I believe they're one of the majority shareholders. You know what's happened in the markets. Um, what the ass Longhorn is suffering because yeah. children had gone home, and so you know that weighed down on Centum, who is supposed to be a beneficiary of Longhorn doing really well. So, but I've really seen that sell off. I, I believe, or at least from what I hear, that Centum is a really good company. I, I actually want to start looking at it, maybe do a some of the parts on it, you know, look at the individual parts of the company, see how they add up to the whole rather than ba- valuing it based on maybe uh, book value or net asset value, if you will. And and also just to give guys a slight shocker, <laughs> uh, in 2014, uh, Centum was trading at 73 shillings. Uh, in 2017, Centum was trading at... Um, 44 shillings and just to look at it from a year ago uh, I'm seeing Centum uh, was trading at prices of about 24 so um, I don't know if Centum will pull a nation media group uh, I'm seeing Erika Suma uh, wants to say something on nation media anytime we touch on media Erika Suma is always there to give us insights of the media space nation media group i don't know if centum would pull another nmg but they were supposed to two different companies as they're, well they're supposed to do a buyback actually the ones who initiated that buyback story but for nmg i don't know if they're doing it and if they're doing it they should make it so clear to us eric you'd want to say something on nation media interesting interesting uh, speaking of the buyback hmm. uh it's, it's i think it's important to know that they're currently doing it ah. i think they have already Initiated the initiated purchase. The, the, the process mm-hmm. uh, with regards to getting advisors and informing uh, the scene that we began the process. Oh, okay. So I'm hoping hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be getting some information from the regulator as to how the structure of that paper. Uh, but from from a company perspective, I don't expect much from Asian media. I think I think I've mentioned to you. Yeah. I've been looking at the results. 
Yeah, yeah, it's also a really bad. Eh, yeah. But you, you know, yeah, a buyback can actually help. It will increase earnings per share yeah, technically. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if because now you have less shares outstanding, even though you know earnings have really been going down. So unless eh, they are buying back a lot of that. <laughs> the good, I think the good thing about National Media Group, mm. I think they are one of the few companies that they see with less debt. Mm. Uh, I think. Oh yeah, they have a lot of cash on hand. Yeah, they, have, they have a lot of cash on hand. That's why I think they've been able to. Even pay their, uh, increase the employee salary even after that reduction in 2020. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of money, a lot of cash now. So I think that will also help them share some of this paper. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens going forward. <laughs> Interesting, but I'm also looking uh, on Capital Cube. Uh, Capital Cube is a is, is a site that you can actually use for analysis, uh, and also with uh, the next ISA update, I know definitely uh, Jackson and the team are working on giving us chats as well, so you don't have to worry about this coming in. I'm seeing uh, Centum. Uh, just we were talking about Centum before we touched into NMG. Centum, uh, the technical indicators are at 52. Fundamental analysis is way, way down at 28%. I don't think it's hit a flow <laughs> yet. <laughs> hey, even me used to do technical analysis back in the day. Yeah, but, <laughs> but the RSI for Centum uh, has actually gone below 30 for the first, not, not for the first time, but going, going below 30, maybe the next time we talk about technical indicators, I'll be able to explain what it means for an RSI. So technically, Centum is trading at way, way oversold territory. Yeah. Uh, it's oversold, but it needs a lot of support onto it. So um, that's it. Eric, maybe you'd want to give your parting shots. I know we've called on to th- we've called these parting shots too many times, but um, Eric just came in and I just want him to say a thing or two. Interesting. Uh, nothing much really, but I think it's going to be an interesting week in the markets. Anything we're expecting from Hisa? Uh, we've been making progress with regards to some sort of uh, uh, regulatory headways. I think hopefully in the course of the month we'll have an update to the users in terms of how, how soon should we start uh, the ability to, to place the trades. Oh, okay. So it's an interesting month, so I think hopefully in the course of the month we'll be able to give out a uh, more comprehensive say report in terms of uh, how we are heading to that towards trading. Oh, okay. Alright guys, I guess that's it for us here at HISA. Uh, as usual, every Monday we'll be able to see you guys again next week on Monday. But don't forget we have Bulls and Bears, Bulls, Bears and Whiskey on Wednesday. And on Friday, definitely, the team led by Ali Mwakaneno will be here with We're Curious. So thank you all and have a lovely week ahead. Bye-bye.